Robert was competitive about everything and anything. And so I guess he might have been competitive about the reviews. Dreyfus would say, what am, I, what am I doing on this island? Why am I here? I should be, I should be signing autographs in Sardis. I should be feted all over New York City. That did it for Robert Shaw. That was, the, I think, the beginning of the great Dreyfus-Shaw feud. Shaw was a troublemaker. Shaw was an instigator. He liked to get people riled up. He was totally malicious. He really thought Dreyfus needed a slapping down. Young punk with no stage experience. And because there was a natural tension between his character and Dreyfus's character, there was also a natural tension between Shaw the actor and Dreyfus the actor. City hands, Mr. Hooper. Count money all your life. All right, all right. Hey, I don't need this. I don't need this working class hero crap. He was an enormous personality, and he radiated it. And in private, he was the kindest, gentlest, funniest guy you ever met. Then we'd walk to the set. And on the way to the set, he was possessed by some evil troll who would then make me his victim. I was his victim. So I would say, look at you, Dreyfus. You eat and you drink and you're fat and you're sloppy. Your age is criminal. Why, you couldn't even do 10 good push-ups. He would challenge Dreyfus on, on all kinds of levels. Uh, his favorite, one, one great trick for, that he did to drive as an actor is just before they'd start rolling and have to be seriously acting, Shaw would lean over to Dreyfus and say, mind your mannerisms. <laughs> and they'd start shooting. And Dreyfus, of course, would be trying to mind his mannerisms and be present as the actor. When you're competitive with someone who's three times your size and who is already given one of the greatest Shakespearean performances in the world, um, it wasn't hard for Robert to get my number. Robert would basically humiliate Richard into taking a chance. For instance, Robert would say, I'll give you a hundred bucks if you climb to the top of the mast on the orca and jump off into the water. And then one day, he was coming down the gangplank, and he had a glass of bourbon in his hand, and he said, help me out, will you, Richard? And I said, you want me to help you out? Yeah. Richard took the shot glass out of Robert's hand and threw it out the window. At which point, every drinker on the crew went, ooh. That was the uh, shot heard around the world. It got ugly. It got ugly. But um, it, it was also Quint and Hooper living out that relationship as Shaw and Dreyfus. And the next scene was me at the cleats, trying to get the cleats cut. And there was water all over the place. And Robert took the fire hose and stood behind the camera and aimed it at my face. <laughs> and that was the one day that I lost my sense of humor.
Jogist, it is Jogist, where I will be watching Jaws each day. Podcast, got a podcast, but I'm not quite sure what I will say. The choice of this time I give you pause, cause it has nothing to do with Jaws. Jogist, it is Jogist, where every day I will watch Jaws and talk about Jaws. It helps if you like Jaws. Apparently, according to... um. You know, this Jaws uh, Wikipedia page is called the Jaws franchise, which annoys me. But it has two Harrys. It calls Ben Meadows Harry Meadows. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I cannot accept that. Um, and, and yet, because uh, his credit is only Meadows. Now, here's the one that it's got me. And, I, and I've talked about this yesterday. I, I, I can't I can't talk about this anymore. Not right now. Um what I want to focus on is Harry, okay? There's one Harry. Now, I'm looking at, um, and what is his last name? Now, just the, just the side, I do have to talk one more time about Meadows because the, the mayor is not concerned with some lowly photographer, okay? Meadows, the newspaper man, was with him on the barge, was with them in the, um, in the, in the town hall there. The, the town, the city building. Uh, he's the one that Larry's talking about, Ben getting plenty of pictures. That is his name. I don't care what any Daily Jaws or any Wikipedia page says. I'm telling you that I think they're wrong and I think I'm right. After watching this 26 days in a row, his name is Ben Meadows. Now, if I go look, I've looked at two pay, two different websites um, that I... One is called Scriptorama, and one is called Daily Script. They both have the name Ben Meadows listed. Why? Obviously, because that's his friggin' name. I can't, I can't, I can't accept anything else. I don't care, I don't care. It's Ben Meadows. Now, Harry, this is where I get annoyed. I go to this Wikipedia page again, okay? First of all, I went to this Wikipedia page and I typed in Ben and they didn't have any Bens. They didn't even have Ben Gardner. So this page sucks, okay? I'm, I am, I am, I am fed up to here with, with, with these names, okay? Because on this page, it has, uh, I, I wanted to look up the actor or the man who played Harry, Bad Hat Harry, who I called Harry Keisel who I've been calling Harry Keisel. I couldn't find him. I saw Harry, and I looked up the actress, and that couldn't be him. Then I saw on the IMDb page, a char- now anyone, I think, can edit IMDb, just like anyone can edit uh, Wikipedia. And people think, I don't know who came up with this. I don't know where it came from. Maybe it's in the book. That's what I don't know. Maybe some of these names are in the book, and that's why people think that's their name. So maybe Meadows' name is Harry Meadows, 
in the book? I don't know. I don't know. And so they're like, oh, that's Meadows. So that has to be Harry Meadows. But I'm telling you, his goddamn name is Ben Meadows. Okay? Based on the two different scripts that I've seen. Again, who knows where those, how accurate those scripts are. But they agree with me, so I'm saying they're very accurate. Now, on this Wikipedia page and on um, the IMDb page, it's, Harry is listed as Harry Wiseman. I've never seen that before. Where the hell is Wiseman used in this? Okay. I haven't seen it. I, myself, have saw the bicycle shop that the kids were karate chopping. His bicycle shop. They were hitting the fence outside there. And on that it said, Kaisel's bike rentals. Again, I look in these two scripts and I type in the word Harry. And when I type in the word Harry, the first thing that pops up is eight to ten year olds, average size about five, four. Otherwise, the overhand chops would be higher up on the fences. And I have a pretty damn good idea who two of the little bastards are. Call me later in the afternoon, Harry. Call me later in the afternoon, Harry. Now, if you hear that, okay, that is a man who is talking about the kids karate chopping his fence. And Brody calls him Harry. But guess what? In the script, guess what the name is that says this this um, this line? Kaisel. Yes. In fact, the description right above it says, Brody passes Kaisel's bicycle rental, navigating an awkward course through an odd assortment of schwims that line the sidewalk in front of a demolished white picket fence. Kaisel intercepts Brody on the run. Kaisel. I want to be like, Kaiser Sose. Kaisel, not Wiseman. I want to correct any wiki. I will, unless, of course, it's something from the book, that that's where they got it from. I don't know where they got Wiseman. Um, I have no idea. That's, it It annoyed me because here I am thinking I found something like, oh, his name's Kaisel. Cool, cool, cool. Then all of a sudden I do a little more digging and I find that he, someone else gave him a different last name. I don't know who gave it to him. I don't see it. I see it on a Wikipedia page and I see it on an IMDb page. And... I have no idea why those names are those names. But when I look at two screen, two PDFs, well, one PDF, one web page, that are just the full screen play. Now, this one's it, this one is the first screenplay. It says Stillness in the Water, a.k.a. Jaws by Carl Gottlieb and Peter Benchley. Then this other one looks a little even more like official. It's like script, final draft, screenplay, Peter Benchley. Production 02074, Richard Zanuck, David Brown. This might have been before Carl Gottlieb got involved. But it still says Kaisel. And it still says Ben Meadows. And I will stand by those names for the rest of Joggist and for every Joggist for the rest of my life. A critic's take on a movie is not like a make it or break it for me. Um, but the nice thing about a Rotten Tomato score is that it shows me 
that most people like this movie, so there's probably something good about it. Or most people do not like this movie, so there's probably something flawed about it. I like plenty of movies that have low Rotten Tomato scores, and there are ones that are have high Rotten Tomato scores that I just don't care about. So it's not, again, a make-it-or-break-it thing for me, but it is a pretty good aggregator, which I think is the right word, for the quality of a film. Um, Jaws has a 97, 97 or 98%. I'm going to go back one more time and look. 98% Rotten Tomato score, uh, which tells me that 98% of the people in the world are smart, and there are some. Not so much. So I wanted to see what out there originally gave Jaws a bad review. And there is a, um, a 1975 review of Jaws from L.A. Times and, um, where it said, and this is a headline from 2015, the L.A. Times originated original 1975 review of Jaws on Earth. We hated it. Editors know this weekend marks the 40th anniversary. This is from five years ago of the release of Steven Spielberg's Jaws, a revolutionary film for the director, movie soundtrack, and skinny dippers everywhere. This beloved piece of cinema sits at the top of many critics' favorite film lists. So, what did our critic Charles Champlin think of the fishy film? Not much. Champlin was not swayed by the plight of the townsfolks of Amity of Amity Island. In fact, you could you could say he really, really disliked it. Um, it goes on to say, Jaws was harpooned by the L.A. Times on many levels. Champlin labeled Robert Shaw a poor man's Captain Ahab, slammed the script, but most of all, he detested the violence. To be fair, the complaint preceded the future PG-13 rating pay change in 1984. Thank you, Red Dawn. But perhaps the movie could have used a warning not to bring children under the age of 13 to a movie about a shark that eats a lot of people. And the first trailer was pretty devoid of red water. But it's hard to get behind what he says about a young Spielberg that intimacy is not yet his strength. Ah, well, I'll drink to your review, Chaplin. So here is the full review from the then Times Entertainment editor, Chaplin, published on June 20th, 1975, with the headline, Don't Go Near the Water. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to read this review for you right now. Let's pretend it's 1975. The first and crucial thing to say about the movie Universal has made from Peter Benchley's bestseller Jaws, opening citywide today, is that the PG rating is grievously wrong and misleading. The studio has rightly added its cautionary notices in the ads, and the fact is that Jaws is too gruesome for children and likely to turn the stomachs of the impressionable at any age. A severed leg drifts towards the sea bottom. A severed arm and other shark-chewed remains are studied ashore. Studied ashore, that's fancy. A man dies horribly in the jaws, spewing a last gout of his own blood. Children die and the sea foams red. Careful studies by the Children's Film Foundation in England have confirmed what common sense suggests. Children identify most strongly with what happens to children on screen, are most impressed and terrified by the violence done to or endangering other children. Jaws is a nightmare time for the young. Thinking the fact that Chris was five years old and he went to go see this in the theater. Good times, good times. 
Back to the review. Even the mature are apt to be jolted by even the mature are apt to be jolted harder by Jaws than by earlier Jeopardy films. Violence done to the helpless, always the hardest to watch, is here compounded because the victims are in the water, an alien environment demanding and potentially dangerous at best. The inability to flee or fight back are in the nightmare of paralysis is really only too easy to identify with. Huh? It sounds, all of it, like a backhanded compliment for a potent and well-made movie. But while I have no doubt that Jaws will make a bloody fortune for Universal and producers Richard Zanuck and David Brown, it is a coarse-grained and exploitive work which depends on excess for the impact. Ashore it is a bore, awkwardly staged and lumpily written. The opening sequence and underwater camera giving a swift shark's eye view of the depths over the ominous murmuring bases of John Williams' good score is excellent, carrying the promise of suggestive power. Then an abrupt and jolting cut takes us to a beach beer party to establish the great shark's first victim. The tension rises again as we are allowed to imagine the evil lurking beneath the water's placid moonlit surface. (laughs) I'm still reading. Land and sea quarrel thereafter. Peter Bench's story, which he adapted with Carl Gottlieb, has Roy Scheider as a seafaring resort town chief of police trying in vain to close the beaches over an opposition of the merchants led by Murray Hamilton. A reward offered for the shark evokes a comical flotilla of amateurs. Most of this, despite an intense performance by Scheider, ooh, okay, is Flatbush melodrama, broad and obvious. Richard Dreyfuss arrives as the expert boy who, a childhood experience... Wait a minute. I, I Richard Dreyfuss arrives as the rich boy who, after a childhood experience, has become a shark expert. Robert Shaw is a local shark hunter, more than half mad, a poor man's Captain Ahab, who, having survived the shark-infested seas after wartime torpedoing, is out to exterminate the species. If the whole project from manuscript forward has been a commercially calculated confection, the tip-off is the movie is a stubborn refusal of key characters to come into sharp focus. What? Hamilton is a caricature of greedy short-sightedness. Shaw raking fingernails across a blackboard to gain attention, stewing shark bones and humming chanties is undeniably callable. Colorful. But his actions, ranging from the shrewd to the suicidal, serve the needs of a pot to be kept boiling. They don't reveal even the logic of madness. Dreyfus, in a lively individual and sympathetic performance, comes off best, even if the demands of the plot make him alternately very wise and surprisingly inexperienced. But, of what seems long lost, the three men set at sea in quest of their Nantucket Moby Dick and the adventure which is the heart of the movie begins. I, did, did I read that at all right? Let's try that sentence again. I'm not going to edit it. But, it. but at what seems long lost, the three men set to sea in quest of their Nantucket Moby Dick and the adventure which is the heart of the movie begins. Okay, okay, I got it. It is well and suspensefully done. And... The footage of real sharks joining indistinguishably, I don't know about that, with the choppings of the fearsome model. 
John M. Dwyer is credited with the special effects, and Ron and Valerie Taylor the filming of actual sharks. Bill Butler was the cinematographer, and he must have had his hands full. Rexford Metz did the underwater work, including a sequence of the Dreyfus character in a shark cage under heavy attack. Young Steven Spielberg, who was the director, shows as he has before an uncommon flair for handling big action. He and the script are much less successful in the man-to-man confrontations than to the man-to-shark meetings. Intimacy is not yet his strength. Um, earth to this guy. You're wrong. We're almost done. We're almost done. We're almost done. The ending is a pulp story hokum, calculated, I suspect, to affirm that it has been, it has all been in gory good fun. The nightmare was only a dream. Still, it would not be surprising if Don't Go Near the Water turned out to be the motto along the ocean beaches this summer. The frights, like those from Earthquake and Towering Inferno, are not put away by happy endings. The fact that he compared this to Earthquake and Towering Inferno. Oh my god. The argument has always been that tragedy, violence, and terror witness purge us of them. Huh? The, okay, I, I can't read. The argument has always been that tragedy, violence, and terror witness purge us of them. The Grand Gugnol Theater of Paris, I don't know what the hell it is, Theater of Paris, oh God, with its bloodletting and eye-gouging ingeniously faked, was thought to have tendentipoop, was thought to, I'm not editing this at all, I want to show the world that I can't read, was thought to have Denatured, den- oh my God, denatured, oh my God, I'm so stupid. <laughs> Was thought to have denatured shock by making it amusing. This is the last line. I've taken too long. After Jaws, you do wonder what it was that was purged and what it takes to entertain these days. Like I said, okay, reviewers, look. individual reviews I almost have no um, no use for you you know especially the ones that are written and I'll tell you why this guy to me sounds like he wants to throw out some fancy stuff and sounds so smart talking about Jaws Um, and yet his opinion is his opinion He's just a dumb, dumb fool who's wrong. Like, you could sit there and I'd, ra- I'd much rather hear, you know, Siskel or Ebert talk for three minutes about a movie and not have to come up with the most unbelievably worded sentence structure to, um, to display the, the, uh, the, the violence of this and that and these and those and I blah, 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 blah. I'm a terrible reader, um, but I am good at rambling, which I've been doing for the last few minutes or maybe the last 26 days, depending on who you're talking to. So I think that's it. I wanted to read that review. Um, I didn't read it before. You can tell. You can tell I didn't pre-read it. I just read it. But I stand by that there is one Harry. There are two Bens, and that Harry's last name is Kaisel. And I will bring that to the grave. Also, I think, and I didn't say this earlier, I think there's one Charlie. 
I haven't looked it up, but I think there's one Charlie. Swim for it, Charlie. Swim for it. Don't look back, Charlie. I think is the same Charlie who earlier in the movie, um, uh, um, what's his name? Brody says, Charlie, bring me over those kids. He's the one who drives the barge. I think it's the same guy. Otherwise, this town is really lacking in unique names. And that is it, my friends. That's the end, my friends. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Geek Mentality. The website is fans.experts.com. The Facebook page is fans.experts. And don't forget, there's a couple things. Remember, there's three things you need to remember right now. Number one, Harry's last name is Kaisel. Number two, Meadow's first name is Ben. Number three, Hooper was never invited to dinner. Here is my theme song. This is my podcast. I made it. Geek Mentality is what I named it. And I think you should listen and subscribe. Because I'm kind of funny and awesome. I think that I'm worth your time. And I'm kind of handsome. My mom says... Please listen and please subscribe. At least listen to this episode. Fans not experts.